Entrepreneurs will save the world. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. We focus on the mindset shifts entrepreneurs make to increase their influence and impact in the world. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope called The Dose of Hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at addvalue2life.com slash dose. Addvalue2life.com slash dose. My guest today is Samantha Stewart. Samantha brings two decades of business building and mentoring experience to her coaching practice. Inspired by the lack of female representation in her industry, she has founded and run multiple companies and worked in the trenches helping celebrities build their brands. Samantha specializes in working with seven and eight figure business owners who are looking to scale and up-level their organizations. Her global client base comes from a variety of industries, many of whom have left their corporate careers and are looking to lose their employee mindset to find success in their own venture. She guides her clients to take control of their future prioritize their time and relationships so they can confidently step out of their comfort zone and flourish in all aspects of their lives. Samantha Stewart and Robert talk about the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. We share some synergy in the value of self-care and giving yourself permission to rest. It's important to recognize that growth comes in discomfort and when facing challenges, to lean into them. Many of the great and beautiful things in our world are created under pressure. Well, Samantha, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm just looking forward to a, a great conversation and just learning all the ways that uh, you help people, you know, transition their mindset, love mindset conversations. Oh, absolutely. It's great to be here, Robert. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. So each episode, we just start with the first question is your own entrepreneurial journey. And so would you mind sharing, you know, how, how you jumped into this entrepreneurial space? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually been quite the journey for me. Um, what is that where they say that uh, before you can succeed, you have to fail? Well, I would say my journey has been fail, fail, fail again, succeed. Um, so I, I actually started out in the corporate world and um, I learned a tremendous skill set there. Um, I figured out, kind of navigated that world, figured out how to climb the ladder and one of the things that really launched um, a mindset shift for me, which started me on the entrepreneurial path, was that as I was sitting in these boardrooms, as I was hosting these meetings, I started looking around the room and realizing that on most of the occasions, I was the only woman in the room. And I continued to ask myself, why is that? There were other females employed at the companies, but they were customer service reps. They were answering telephones. They were in different roles. They weren't in the meetings where the decisions were being made. And that was something that really stuck with me. So um, corporate America was a struggle, a bit of a struggle for me. And I know that most entrepreneurs can relate to this. 
I found it very difficult to work for someone else. It was hard constantly being told what to do. It was difficult when I would bring my ideas only to be told that's just not the way we do things around here. And so I think bumping up against those walls, I started to think, you know, I wonder if there's a way for me to do something on my own. So I ended up deciding to leave my corporate career, and I thought that my next path would be going into philanthropy. So I went right into the nonprofit world, which is still very near and dear to my heart. I love nonprofit work. Um, But yet again, I wasn't working for myself. I was still working for even more people now. I answer to a board of directors. I answered directly to, you know, the city council who was a partner in our funding. And that had its own set of difficulties. But again, I learned another whole skill set that went along with that. Um, and then got to the point where I was very, very burnt out. And I thought to myself, okay, well, this is not what I was looking for either. So I resigned from my position there, and I ended up taking about 30 days literally just to sleep. I was so exhausted. And during the course of that, I was talking to a a number of other people and sort of exploring what my next opportunity was going to be. And one of the members of my board approached me about going out on my own. So I ended up doing that. I went and got my real estate license. And I went to work for him as an independent contractor. He trained me. He mentored me. I worked myself up that ladder, became a broker myself, ended up opening up my own business. And I loved every minute of it. It was such hard work. There were a lot of sleepless nights. There were a lot of times where it was, you know, you're building the airplane as you're flying it. Um, But I really thrived in that environment. So I continued doing that. I did that for about four years. And again, I found myself really burnt out. So I ended up selling my company to a husband and wife team who worked for me and um, gave myself a little bit of a break, took some more time off. And again, I'm thinking about this, you know, okay, why am I building this, this really successful thing. I'm creating jobs for people. I'm doing something that I love, but I keep finding myself in this place where I'm really burnt out. So I kept thinking about these things and what could I, what would my next step be? Um, I remember when I was working in the real estate world, there were a lot of realtors. There were a lot of mortgage brokers who didn't know how to market themselves. Mm -hmm. And this was a real challenge for getting clients, for continuing that stream of leads coming in. So I I decided to start a public relations firm. So I went ahead and did that and, again, built it up, didn't take any time off, didn't always have the answers, but continued along this journey sort of knowing that when I needed the information, it would be there or the person would be there um, who was meant to show me that next step. And it just always kind of worked out that way, a little bit of elbow grease and a little bit of faith and a whole lot of hard work. So I built that company up. I was very, very well known for working with realtors and mortgage brokers, one, because I had come out of that industry. So they knew that I understood what they were up against, the competition, how to set themselves apart, the channels to do that. So I really went in and I started teaching them 
what they needed to have, the skill sets they needed to have. You can't just be a realtor. You can't just get your real estate license and you go out and you start meeting with clients. There's this whole other skill set you need in order to really brand yourself and to set yourself apart when there's a hundred different real estate agents in a market and a client comes to you, you have to be able to tell them within you know three to five seconds why they're going to work with you. And I call that the elevator pitch. You know, who are you? What do you do? Who are you here to serve? And why does it make sense for me to work with you when I could work with any number of other people? That company did quite well and became very successful. I scaled it, got it to the point where I had 15 employees. I sold the company for $30 million and I I wanted to really think about, okay, now what do I do? So each level of this journey, I have definitely leveled up. I've also gone through the hardships that go along with that. And all of that has brought me to the point of now wanting to turn around and give back to people who are coming up through the ranks, to really coach them through the process, through the difficulties, be that voice of consistency and accountability that I wish I had in my very first company. So that's a little bit about just a snapshot. I've built some other companies since then, but that's really how I got to where I am today. Nice. <clears throat> I think the first thing that, that comes to mind is the the willingness to figure it out. And I think you were, you were asking yourself um, the right questions and, and, most people, when they're uncomfortable, just complain about being uncomfortable versus asking the question, well, why am I uncomfortable and what am I going to do about it? And so appreciate you taking your discomfort and using that to, to launch yourself you know, into the business world and then, and then figuring out, you know, that's not to say that you didn't make mistakes along the way, because obviously getting burned out, you know, twice is, right. is, is right. definitely a sign of, of, ambition right i think you know sometimes our ambition our, our purpose overdrives us and so now that you're in a different in a different place one of the things i love to talk to people about is designing their business around their life and making sure that they're intentional about what is the life that you want to have and then designing a business around that life rather than building a business that just takes over your life Right, right. That is such a great way to put it. You really have to be intentional. And with my first two businesses, as successful as they were, they really weren't the lifestyle business that I had set out to create. I didn't have the intention going into the business of what, what are my priorities? Why am I doing this? What's the personal What's the personal passion that's going to get me up every single morning to do this? I was really focused on the building of the business, making sure that I had financial success, making sure that I was serving my clients, making sure that I was continually bringing value. There wasn't enough self-reflection. And so when you're talking about, you said self-awareness, that is such a critical point for entrepreneurs to think about. You're not just here to create to create a financial gain. You're not just here to work 
I mean, that if you wanted to do that, you probably would still be an employee. And so really coming up with what are the priorities for your life, being very, very specific. How many hours a week do you want to work? How many days do you want to work? How much vacation time do you want to have each year? If you have a family, how much time do you want to spend with them? What do you want to do with them? Where do you want to go? If you're not in a situation like that and you're on your own, really carving out that time for yourself to make sure that you're continuing to fill up your well because you're constantly pouring into other people and you cannot pour from an empty well. So design that business around the life that you want to create. Mm, so, so good. Well, then obviously you've learned some pretty hard lessons about self-care and, and giving yourself permission to, to take care of yourself on the journey rather than, I, I think, and I think the challenge is we create this expectation or, or there is this success expectation that, that well, we just need to get a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit more, right. a little bit bigger, a little bit more, right. a little bit bigger. And we don't define those things. And so the little bit more and the little bit bigger just takes over and, and it's in charge now. It's the right. boss we didn't want in the right. first place. So, right. so can you share a little bit about the lessons you've learned in self-care and, and the value of, of how those businesses would have been different if you'd built them around boundaries and, and putting boundaries around the things that are important to you? Wow, those are Including great yourself. questions. Those are great questions to ask, Robert. Um, yeah, I, you know, I guess the first thing that I would say is um, the the things that were programmed into me culturally from the time that I was very young um, were, you know, suck it up, buttercup, pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Um, quit your crying, fix your makeup and get back out there, girl. You know, that kind of a mindset where it's really against the grain of who we are as human beings mm. and the idea of self-care. So I had the exact opposite ideas. So when things got tough, I just leaned into it more. I worked harder and I wasn't necessarily thinking about how to do things smarter or the idea that I think is a really, really good movement that's coming up now is that you don't always push into it. You don't always work harder. You really have to honor that there needs to be a period of rest sometimes before you have that biggest success or that biggest level up or the idea comes to you. A lot of times that comes out of a period of quiet, a period of rest, a period of reflection. And one of the really hard lessons that I had to learn was that I pushed myself and I, and I thought, like a lot of young people do, that I was invincible, that I could do anything that I wanted to do, and I wasn't focused enough on taking care of myself. So I ended up having a stroke mm -hmm. at the age of 22. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's not something that's typical for somebody in their early 20s. Um, it's not typical for most people, but if it's something you experience, it's usually much later in life. And that, that was a real opportunity. I just wish that I had taken it as an opportunity. I looked at it as a challenge. <laughs> and so I think in reflecting back, you know, I had a number of opportunities along my path 
to success, along my path of learning, where what I really needed to do was take a step back and ask the question, how did I get here? Why am I here? What could I have done differently so that I didn't end up in this situation? Because now, instead of working on the things that I wanted to work on, I was in a position where I had to do physical therapy. I had to do speech therapy. I had to retrain parts of my brain, which very, very fortunately were not damaged to the point that I couldn't repair them. So I've had a few blips along the road like that where life has said to me, whoa, you need to slow down. There's some lessons here that you need to get. Maybe there's a skill set that you don't yet possess in order to get to these higher levels. So awareness, designing your life around your priorities, and when things come up that hit you physically, having that understanding that you really need to take time and ask some questions and have some reflection and self-awareness because if it's gotten to that point, you probably have missed those subtle signals along the way. Mm. Well. It's interesting because it, it sounds like in business and in, in this medical challenge that you you just see this as a challenge that has to be conquered and, and, and move forward instead of, and, and even the medical challenge that's telling your body, whoa, stop, take a break. You're just like, all right, what's the next step? How do I, how do I fix it? How do I fix it? How do I fix it? Versus the opportunity to stop and say, what? happened why did it happen and what does that mean for me and i think you you mentioned that it's coming there's a a higher level of awareness coming that obviously we're responsible for our bodies and our bodies right. we we only get one yeah <laughs> and so so recognizing when the body's communicating to you that you need to listen to it and honor it um i think we've had you know generations of abuse <laughs> of our yeah. bodies and generations of, of cultural expectations of, uh, you know, I guess one of the things that comes up a lot is this, this idea of we are Americans by and large are emotional eaters. They right. eat based on their emotions and based on what's going to make them feel good with no regard for food as fuel. Right. And I think, and I think that's just part of this awakening that has to happen because of of the the trend of food as emotion, you know, making you feel good versus food that will really fuel your body and really make you feel good, are right. two different are two different pathways, and one leads leads to, you know, early death, obesity, sad, you know, miserable lives versus intentional living, happiness, joy, peace, and and all those things that come from taking care of of your body. So let's talk about some boundaries around yourself and your family that, that, that now you recognize the need for and how to put those kind of boundaries in place. Yeah, it's taken me a long time to get here. And my hope in sharing you know, my, my story and sharing things that I've gone through is that somebody else might hear that and go, oh, that sounds like something that I needed to hear or that's, boy, that sounds like the path I could be on. Maybe I need to take a pause and listen to what she's saying and, and learn from her lessons and not have to do them myself. Um, so for me, you know, having, having kids was a really important thing to me. 
And it wasn't something um, that came easy. I really, really had to work in order to have to have my kids. It just wasn't something that was naturally happening. So that is a huge priority. I don't want to miss out on the school events. I don't want to miss out when my kid is in a play. I don't want to miss out when my when my child is in a basketball game or when my daughter is, you know, singing on stage. So those are big boundaries for me. So I'm really big about getting everything in my calendar that has to do with my kids so that I can plan my work around that, my meetings around that. It doesn't mean that from time to time I have to make the difficult decision that I need to do something for my business and I can't be there for my kids. So I want to be really clear about that because I hear so many entrepreneurs saying I never miss anything. The reality is, at least for me, that sometimes I do. And I think that in itself is also a good lesson for my kids. But that's a huge boundary that I've put out there that I didn't do in any of my other businesses that I've built. My second boundary is that I know for myself personally, there are some things I need to do to take care of to take care of my body. I need eight hours of sleep at night. I need to stay hydrated. Physical activity, exercise, running, strength training, things like that are very important for my well-being. And it's, you know, not just my physical well-being, it's my mental, emotional, it's my stamina, it's my ability to pour into the people that I'm around. And in order to do that, I've got to set boundaries so I don't, I don't work past a certain time at night. I want to have dinner with my family four nights a week. So those are some of the things that are really important to me. And it's a give and a take. There are times, you know, I've had a couple of um, Australian podcasts that have wanted to interview me. And because of the time change, I, I'm, I'm sure you've dealt with this as well. Because of the time change, it's like, great, we can fit you in at blah, blah, blah. And I do the time change and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's two o'clock in the morning, my time. I can't, I can't do that. I could do that. But I'm choosing not to do that because I'm honoring the boundaries that I've set. I'm honoring the priorities that I've set because I'm finally taking a business and I'm designing that business around my life rather than making the business the number one priority and everything else just falls in line wherever it falls in line. Oh, so valuable. And and really, it, it, it comes down to identifying your values and, and knowing what's important to you. Now, obviously, your body has reminded you that I need to be a priority whether you want me, whether you want to choose me or not. Right, right. (laughs) Um, So let's talk some more, a little bit more about the routines. First of all, I love that you mentioned sleep first. I'm a huge advocate of, uh, you can talk about morning routines all that you, all you want, but if you don't have an evening routine that sets you up for a morning routine, it'll never work. Yeah, you're so right about that. I mean, for me, I don't even think I could begin to do my morning routine if I didn't have the sleep. And the sleep for me came with a little bit of just testing out, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And I do travel a fair amount now. Um, so when I'm traveling, I also have to be very cognizant of the time difference. You know, when I spend time in London, I know that they're eight hours ahead. And so I start planning for that trip the week before I go. 
I start getting myself on a schedule where I wake up at three o'clock in the morning because that's the time that I'll be waking up when I'm in London. And so I'm very gentle with myself now. And I, and I start thinking ahead of time. What do I need to do? So I, I reverse engineer. What time do I need to be awake there? Where do I need to be? How much commute time do I need to be? Do I need to allow? What time are the interviews going to be? Where do I have to go to? What am I going to be talking about? So there's a lot of work that I do ahead of time. There's a lot of thought that goes into showing up and the time and making sure that I'm getting that rest. So, you know, that's a big part of my evening routine. When I wake up in the morning, the the first thing that I do is I turn my iPhone over so that I don't have so that I don't have the the temptation to pick it up and start scrolling or looking at the news or getting sucked into the fear of so much of what's happening right now. I get up, I have a glass of water, I get myself hydrated, I go check in with my kids, I do a little journaling, um, I go out and I take a quick walk around the property, get myself really grounded, I come back in and I start my day. Um, Three mornings a week, sometimes four, I'll go for like a 20 or 30 minute run just to get some of that physical activity going. Depending on what's going on in my day, I may do that in the afternoon, which is what I'm actually going to do today um, so that I could allow time to be here with you. Nice. Well, I'm a huge fan of routines, but a huge fan of reverse engineering. And so, you know, your, your wisdom in, in, business development has been similar. You're asking questions and how can I solve this? How can I fix this? How can I grow this? And then reverse engineering is how can I honor my body and how can I? And so I think we don't reverse engineer near enough, right? Yeah. To figure out what works and what doesn't work. And then how can I make it better? How can I fix it? Um, and so I love that you're honoring your body and and recognizing that, look, I, I, I want to travel. I want to do these things. But to, in order to do that, I need to be able to be maybe some would say ultra prepared. Right. right. And, and I think part of that comes with maturity and, and our younger body was able to handle a different, a different lifestyle. And some people abused it and some people figured it out. Right. And then, right. and then there's the other ones that are still sleeping on the couch at noon, which obviously gets you, gets you absolutely nowhere. One of the things I I'm starting to understand is not only do we have a comfort zone that, that we kind of fall into, and I think our brain appreciates the comfort zone. It, it's trying to protect us and, and trying to keep us alive. It still thinks there's a lion waiting outside to eat us as soon as we want to try something new. Right. But now in, in the United States, at least, we have this added level to our comfort zone of convenience. And right. so we combine this convenience and comfort zone, and it really just keeps people right where they are. How do you help your clients break out and not be afraid of, of breaking out of that convenience comfort zone level? Because really life is experienced when you, when you let that go or the more you expand that. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a great question. It's honestly, it's something that we all struggle with. And I'd love to sit here and say, you know, here's the magic formula. And if you just say this to yourself five times a day, you're going to find yourself in the other side and discomfort and you're going to be okay with it. It's just not the way that it works. The discomfort is the mechanism 
that catapults you into what you're wanting to do. So in terms of the fear, what I talk with my clients about is to embrace the fear. Make friends with the fear. Don't get upset about it. Don't let it drag you down. Acknowledge what it is that the fear is trying to show you because the fear in our bodies is is something that is actually trying to protect us or believes that it's trying to protect us and we just can't let it get in the way. We have to acknowledge it, have it be our friend and say to the fear, I understand that you're afraid. I understand what you're saying to me and we're still going to go do this. We're going to start the new business. We're going to bring on the new partner. We're going to make, you know, the hire of the three people we've been wanting to hire. We're going to go have the meeting finally with the investors. So it's not so much about getting rid of the fear. It's more about the noticing and why is it here? Why is it showing up? What is it trying to communicate to me? Because when you have that level of awareness, that's powerful. It's powerful to be able to walk into the discomfort and say, I'm afraid. My hands are shaking. I have so much anxiety. I'm sweating. Every fiber in my being is yelling at me. And yet I'm still going to go do the thing that scares me. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. And I really believe that you know, it's there's a whole nother level of comfort that we have here afforded to us in the United States. And people that affects people on varying levels. It's a wonderful thing on the <laughs> one hand. On the other hand, I I feel like it does definitely hold us back because you get comfortable and you start to ask the question, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to step out of the comfort? Do I really want to step out of the life I've built? to go and do this difficult thing that I know it's going to be a process. I know it's going to be a journey. So your belief in what you're doing, your focus, your affection, your passion on who you're here to serve and how you're here to serve them has to be bigger than the fear. And it has to be enough to get you up out of bed every morning and step out into the discomfort knowing that you're creating something knowing that you're living in your passion and knowing that on the other side of all of this is going to be the life that you've said you've always wanted. And if you stay in that comfort zone, you're never going to be able to experience that. Well, and there's, there's really so many, right, that, that want more out of life and you know, have these wants for something different, something better. And, and you just mentioned that the difference is that willingness to own it right. and, and, and change it from, from a want to a driving force. The, the difference between people who go out and make their dreams a reality 
and those who stay sitting on the couch, you know, those people aren't as different as one would think. It's, it's a decision. It's a mindset. It's the ability to say to yourself, I want to go out and do this because I know I have a greater purpose in this world. I know that I was meant for more. I know that this group of people need me to get up and to go do this and to push through my fear and my comfort zone. It's, it's that ability to really step through and say, I know this is what I need to do and I'm going to do it. And the other piece to this is also who you surround yourself with. Mm. You know, there's so much emphasis put on the individual But you also really have to stop and look at who am I surrounding myself with? Am I talking about a $10 million dream to people who make $40,000 a year and don't ever stop to dream about things? You know, am I surrounding myself with people and am I talking to people who aren't capable in supporting the levels that I want to go to? who aren't the kind of people that are going to to cheer me on or to pick me back up when I fall down. And so that's another piece that's not, you know, talked about as much. There's a lot of focus on you've got to have a growth mindset. You don't want to stay in that fixed mindset. And that's very, very important. But it's equally important that you put emphasis and focus and intention around the people that you spend your time with and who you share your dream with. I mean, this is a place where where boundary another boundary is necessary. I mean, ultimately, because when we get an idea, we get it, we get a dream, and, and we want to share it. We we're, we're excited, right? I just oh, I've got this great idea, and then the first two friends you tell it to, they're like, "That's dumb," or right. even worse, "How are you going to do that?" Right. Right. And I'm a firm believer that if God has given you a dream, has given you an idea and planted that seed and you wake up and your eyes are wide open and you're going, this is amazing that you're the, you're the person that's meant to do it, right? You're on the vibrational frequency of that dream and that idea. And, and you're fully equipped and capable of doing it because our God is not cruel. He wouldn't give you an idea that you're not capable of, of living out. But for the majority of people, the first person they go to is a family member or a friend that has no idea of what's possible in the world out there and they crush it and they right. kill it. And, and so we lose the ability to dream because our dreams just keep getting crushed and told, well, you can't do that. Well, that's not possible. And so I love that it, you, we have to be intentional of who we choose to associate with, right? Jim Rohn says you, you become the amalgam of the five closest people closest to you. So yes. are you hanging out? Are you hanging out with five people that have never had money, don't know how to do anything with money, are constantly broke and and not making the kind of choices that are going to lead to the future that any of them want, but they're just stuck. Right. Or are you hanging out with hanging out with dreamers and hanging out with believers and hanging out with people that are connected to, you know, the a higher source and higher power and believe that that higher power is conspiring for their good to create something amazing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned um, something really important and that's the faith piece, 
right? Having that belief in something greater than yourself. Um, I have a very strong faith. I'm very connected to God. And that has something that is something that has always led me and that I've always trusted. And I, I often think about, you know, the fact that it's your calling. And so when you go and you share it with these other people, of course you're excited. Of course you're like, oh my gosh, I've been called to do this amazing thing. And you just, you want to shout it from the mountaintops. The reality is that not everybody who's in your life when, when that gift, when that great gift is bestowed upon you, is meant to go on that journey with you. And you have to recognize that there are going to be times when you're, gonna, you're going to have to have that strong self-belief and you're also going to have that strong faith knowing that when you're called to do something, there isn't always the expectation that you're going to know exactly how to do it. God doesn't call necessarily call you because you have all of the skill set or you have all of the capabilities or you have all, all of the right people around you. He calls you to step up and then you have the faith to know that every step of the way, he's going to be there to give you what you need. The right people are going to come into your life. What you have to do is you have to be open to that and you have to be anchored into that belief so that when that person shows up, you don't show them to the door. You have that faith and that conviction to know God has put this person in my life for an important reason, and I'm going to trust that, and I'm going to continue to walk this path. But a lot of the times when we have this excitement, the people closest to us aren't going to be able to see the same vision that you see. And they're not necessarily going to reflect that excitement to you like you would expect. And I would ask you, you know, if you're in that place, take a pause and understand and have compassion for where those other people are coming from and recognize this is your dream. This is your gift. This is something that you have to see through. And this is a covenant between you and God and your faith. Mm. Wow, that's really powerful. I, I saw a meme the other day that said your calling was a one-on-one, -on -one, not a conference call. <laughs> I love that saying. It's It really is true. It, it just really is. I mean, I can't tell you when I, when I left corporate America, I don't think there was a single person around me that was in my inner circle that didn't think I had completely lost my mind, Robert. They all looked at me like, what are you thinking? You know, if you stay on this trajectory, you're going to check all of the boxes of success. You're you're going to get married. You're going to have the 2.5 kids. You'll live in the right neighborhood. You'll have the right car. You'll be able to buy the things you want. You know, there were all these ideas that have been ingrained in us culturally, I, I really think, to believe that this is the measure of success. And when you have people that are operating from that belief or that programming, how could they feel any different? You're on a path. You're on a good path in their mind. Why in the world would you make a, a right turn suddenly? Why would you make a right turn? Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? You know, is everything going okay? Do we need to worry about you? 
And now on the other side of my life where I'm now in this different position, those same people who were my biggest doubters, who were my biggest naysayers, of course, now they're the first lined up who want to celebrate with me, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and but you had some recognitions that, that the path wasn't what they perceived it to be, right? You were already seeing the glass ceiling. You were already seeing right. that that. This isn't this isn't a fair space, right? This this space is not operating on the level that we're all equals in here, and right. and and so there's so many things that that you saw on this journey that seemed perfect to everyone else that were that were huge warning signs that were saying, no, no, this journey is not as pretty as it's cracked up to be, and and no journey really is. You mentioned that in in the discomfort is where the growth happens, right? And I think about marriages when people give up when they're in the midst of, of a yeah. challenge, but getting through a challenge is where a marriage grows, where a relationship learns to communicate and they learn to understand each other, hopefully, because when you get through to the other side, you have a much stronger bond, a much stronger relationship. And business is very similar to that. Right. When you get through a challenge is where you're growing and learning and but you have to be learning versus versus powering through a challenge and and you know conquering it like a, a bulldozer and oh I got through it but I didn't learn anything I just knocked a bunch of stuff over back there that you know, was in the way and there and there is a significant difference between approaching a challenge as a learning opportunity approaching failure understanding failure as okay this is a chance for me to learn something and boom, 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 what, what are some of the lessons in this versus, you know, seeing it as just this negative roadblock that's, all right, it's just an obstacle that's, you know, insurmountable. So I'm going to get a divorce or I'm going to sell the company or I'm going to quit. And, and I think there's a, that, that takes the comfort zone and the discomfort of learning to a different level, right? Understanding that failure is, that this is really an experiment, that the journey is right. really a, uh, uh, it's really just about trial and error. It's a make the sales call, tweak the sales call, make the sales call, tweak the sales call, make. And, and there's a lot of mundane in that learning, but the greatest growth happens in those challenges. It absolutely does. It, it makes me think of, you know, how so many things that turn out so beautiful but the amount of pressure that has to be applied to them when you think about how a diamond is made and, and the amount of pressure and force that has to be used to construct something that's held as so beautiful in our culture. And the diamond doesn't break. The diamond doesn't shatter under the pressure. You take something that's dingy and dull and you apply tremendous force and tremendous pressure. And what comes out the other side is something very beautiful. It's the exact same way with us as human beings. If you think about in the Bible, some of the difficulties that people were put through, the challenges that they had to overcome before they were ready to accept the challenge of stepping into their life's purpose. Every failure that you have, every difficulty that you have, if you can trust, if you can have that faith and that knowingness that 
every time I do something that's difficult, I'm learning something. Every time I have a failure, there is value there. It gets me that much closer to the yes in the cell. It gets me that much closer to the success that I'm looking for. It gets me that much closer to God. You know, those difficulties are what make us who we are. They're what build our character. They're what build our personalities. They're what give us the skill set so that we develop the self-esteem to know that no matter what life throws at us, we know we have the ability. And even if we don't know how we're going to get through it, we know that we're capable. We know we'll be given what we need when we need it. Mm. That last part is so good, right? That's the faith piece, right? You know you'll be given what you need when you need it. And I think that's a challenge for so many, especially perfectionists. If they come out of corporate, they want to have a, a hundred-step plan. They want to know, how am I going to do this and this and this and this? And, and, and Monday, we're going to step one and then step two and step three. And the challenge is, in the reality of this entrepreneurial space, chances are when you take step one, it's going to mess up all the ideas you had when you planned out two, three, four, five, and, you know, 99 to hundred. And, and the reality is there is some willingness to step into the unknown, have a plan, but it might only be that first step. You know, I, I love the story of the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they come to the river and God promises that the river will be out of their way, but the river doesn't move until they step into it. Right. And so they have to take that step. And so there's a willingness to take a step and, and, and maybe there's so many times in business when you just know the next step, just right. one, that's all I got. I, but I, but in faith, I can take that next step. And as soon as you take that next step, you know, the next one, the next one, right. just, the next one becomes obvious and, and it becomes obvious. And, and yet so many people hold themselves back and procrastinate right? because they're, because they're planning. And, and I think planning in a lot of ways, now we want to reverse engineer and we want to have plans, but trying to perfect the plans is, is really chasing your tail in a lot of the cases. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's the analysis paralysis, as I like to call it, where um, I have a client that I was working with a couple of weeks ago and he wanted to know what's the hundredth step. You know, I'm looking at A and I want to get to Z and I want to know what all the steps are in between. And I kept saying to him, until you take that first step, you don't know. And you can't predict that because there will be so many times along the way where you have to pivot. Sometimes you have to backtrack. Sometimes you have to go in a completely different direction that you did not see coming. So to spend the time and the energy to develop this plan at this stage doesn't make any sense. What you really need to be focused on are these three things that you can do today. Like you're saying, Robert, take that first step and then you're going to go, then you're going to know the next step and then you're going to know the next step. And I think, I think it's easy to say, if I don't have the complete plan, I'm not going to start. And that's an excuse. That's, that's a way to let yourself off easy because you you really don't want to start. And so you're going to tell yourself whatever you have to tell yourself not to take that first step. But it's really that simple. Just take that first step. It doesn't have to be pretty. 
It doesn't have to look good. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even have to be right. The point is that with every step you take, the better you get. Mm. Well, and that there is really power in action. Yeah. Action is going to lead to, to, to more. And when, and when you don't quit, when you, and when you start to learn from it, right? Like going live on Facebook and, or even going to networking events and, and right. figuring out, you know, figuring out that, that uh, elevator pitch and, and how to, how to get somebody on your side in the first five seconds, not 30 seconds. And, right. and, and how to, each of those things is, is perfected far more in the doing than ever in the planning. Right. Right. That is absolutely true. I mean, practice, practice, practice. One of the things that I, I say to my kids, we don't say practice makes perfect. We say practice makes progress. Mm. And the reason for that is that we don't, we're not striving for perfection. We're not striving for perfection. We're striving for doing. We're striving for action. An object in motion stays in motion. Get yourself in motion. Get going. And you will continue to see what you need to do, where you need to go, the people you need to be around. And, you know, the networking, I mean, that's something – I'm such an introverted person. I mean, I, I can't tell you how difficult it was for me the first time that I went out to a networking event and I didn't have – I hadn't practiced. I didn't know what my elevator pitch was. I didn't have the the 30-second pitch. I didn't have the two-minute pitch. I didn't have the when you actually get into a conversation with someone. And I think because of that, there was a certain amount of freedom that I had to go out and play with it. But if someone like me who is who who was painfully shy, like I would pull up to the event and my anxiety and my fear would be so paralyzing. I could barely get out of the car. My knees would be shaking as I walked into the event and I looked around the room and sometimes I didn't know a single other person who was there. And that's where I started. And I just kept going back and I kept doing it and I kept practicing and I didn't worry about the things that I said wrong. I looked at those as opportunities to fine tune. I looked at them as opportunities to tweak, as you said early in the conversation, Robert. You know, just just keep doing it. Just keep putting yourself out there. Keep practicing. And the more that you work at it, the easier it will become. It'll become like second nature to you. You mentioned some really great relational things in there. So let's talk about the value of relationships and connection in building your business. Oh, absolutely. That... Oh my gosh, that is one of the most important things that you can do. I have built every single one of my businesses on relationships, on referrals, on strategic partnerships. And part of what I want to talk about in this is also the mindset that you go into that with. When I meet someone, I'm listening to what they do, what's important to them, what are they about? What are they out in the world to accomplish? Before I ever think about what my response is going to be to whatever question they pose to me, I'm digging into who are they, what are they about. I really want to get to know them because if I know who they are and I know what's important to them, I know what I bring to the table. I know what my skill set is. I know what my value is. I'm thinking about how can I serve them? 
what can I do to accelerate the path that they're already on? And if you come to it with that mindset, you really enter into a conversation with someone where you care about who they are as a human being. And the person on the other end of that conversation feels that. That's called connection. When you make a connection like that with someone, they're going to remember who you are. They're going to remember what you do. They may not need what you're offering. They may not need what your business is. But they're going to remember who you are and they're going to be in other conversations with other people. And somewhere along the line, they'll come across somebody that needs what you offer, whether it's your product or your service, and that's going to be a referral. So if you go into every conversation with that mindset, not so much of I'm going to sell this person on who I am, I'm going to sell this person on what I do or what I'm selling, but really really find out who they are as a human being. Make that human connection. And it's the same when you're looking at strategic partnerships in business. I don't ever go into a phone call or a business meeting that's been set up or somebody that I meet in an event. I'm not thinking about selling them. I'm always thinking about who they are, what they're doing, and what's the value add that I can give to them. I may not even get to in that conversation. I may not even get in that initial conversation telling them much about me. But what they know is that one, I know who they are. I care about who they are. And I'm interested in doing everything I can to support them. So valuable. And I, and I think it's it's challenging, right? We have these ideas of what sales is and what, yeah. you know, what, what the expectations are. Um, I remember one of the first chamber of commerce events I went to, and there's this guy ripping around the room, basically trading business cards for business cards as if they were dollars. And I'm like, who, wait, who, who (laughs) right? Like, I I don't know. I've got his business card apparently, but I have no idea who he is or what he's done. And and as soon as we get home and you're looking at the business card pile you've taken home and you're going, what have I done here? Right. right. And I, I think there there's so much value in 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 the human side of the equation and recognizing that this is a long game, not a short game. And and the long game is really about getting to know people, getting to know their heart, getting to know the service they provide, getting to know what who their ideal client is and and who do I know that they need to know. Right. And right. becoming becoming a connector of of people is really a powerful way to add value to them with no expectations of, you know, there's so much of this tit for tat. Well, I gave you two referrals. You owe me a referral. And, and oh my goodness, especially in real estate and mortgage. Right. 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 Oh yeah. And the reality is, you know what, if I take really good care of people and I become their friend, then when they think of, Hey, you know what, I'm going to refinance the natural inclination is, Oh, Hey, Here's who you need to talk to versus, you know, what I'm obligated to give him a referral and him a referral. And, you know, because I know I know a dozen mortgage brokers. I know right. 25 real estate agents. Oh, gosh, we <laughs> all do. We all do. <laughs> yeah. And so so who am I going to who am I going to refer the one that I have that feel this obligation to or the one that I feel like is going to take the best care of my friend? Right. And that's the the only way I'll know who's going to take the best care of my friend is if I know who they are, right? And right. and I know that that 
that unique thing that's going to connect the two of them that that's going to make it a better a better relationship um and so that's the value and so i love digging into right that going into those meetings with an incessant curiosity is exactly exactly well and you know I think the mistake that's often made, especially with people who are new salespeople or, you know, going into that role for the first time is they're looking at the wrong KPIs. They're looking at the wrong key metrics. You know, they're looking for the sale. They're looking for, you know, how fast can I hit, um, how fast can I get to my commission because I've made X number of sales. I know I have to make 10 sales this month and I'm going to hit $80,000. And then I have the opportunity for a $5,000 bonus on top of that. (laughs) Those are definitely things that you're keeping in the back of your mind because you know that you have goals. You have goals that you've set that you want to achieve. But the way that you achieve those goals is with people. And the reality is that whatever it is you're selling, whatever your product is, whatever your service is, there's going to be at least five other people that offer the exact same thing. So why is somebody going to buy from you? And not just why are they going to buy from you right now, why are they going to continue to buy from you? I mean, that's really what you want is you want to look at the long game. And if a salesperson is is focused on, you know, the commission they're going to make for that month and they're not looking at the entire year, they're really missing the point. The point is that you have a product or you have a service that's going to add value or that's going to take away a pain point for a customer. It's not just about the dollar signs. These are people. These are human beings that you're here to serve and really coming from that mindset. Absolutely. All right. What's your big dream, Samantha? Oh, gosh. My big dream. My big dream is to see other people step up and step into their purpose and go out and have an impact on the world at large. I really want to help more people find their voice, find their passion, step into their purpose, connect even deeper into their faith so that they can go out and create the ripple effect that goes across the world. Oh, that's so powerful. Samantha, thank you so much for sharing with me today. What a fantastic conversation. I've, I've learned some really great things, and I appreciate you sharing vulnerably from your own experience. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. I really enjoyed being here, and it was, it was a lot of fun to have the conversation. I hope people um, get a lot of value out of this, and I hope that you know somebody's listening to this they get up off the couch and they say, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go do it today. I'm going to take that first step. I hope so too. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com. In our next episode, Chad is the founder and director of Advance Camp, a ministry that serves fatherless young men. Chad leads his family in loving and serving those that God brings to them and is passionate about changing the trajectory of fatherless young men's lives.